in baseball, I know, I know I talked about baseball in my speech, and I'm going to talk about it again, but I promise this is very applicable. In, uh, in baseball, there's a thing called a perfect game. Do you, are you familiar with baseball at all? Not really. Okay. All right. Well, a, um, so... Remembering on both sides that civility is not a sign of weakness, and sincerity is always subject to proof. Let us never negotiate out of fear, but let us never fear to negotiate. You are listening to Speaker Points, an NSD China podcast. Welcome to Speaker Points, the NSDA China podcast where we talk about speech and debate in China. Today is a very special episode because for the first time ever in an episode, we're going to have two guests and speaking to them at the same time. I hope we can keep this civil and orderly, uh, unlike some grand crossfires. My guest today is James Shea, a junior from San Gabriel Academy in Los Angeles, California, and Victoria Fong, junior from Dulwich College, Beijing. And their claim to fame is they are the 2020 NSDA China National Champions in the High School Public Forum Debate Division. Uh, very happy to have them here. Thank you very much for coming, Victoria and James. Hi, um, really thank you for having me. <laughs> Off to a great start, <laughs> speaking orderly. Yeah, so the speaking order in the finals round was James as first speaker and Victoria as the second speaker. Speaking of speaking order, I'll start that off. James, have you always been a first speaker or have you experimented back and forth? Um, no, I actually... That was my first time as first speaker. I have always been second. When I first started debating, I was a second speaker. But when I met Victoria, after some tournaments, we figured out it's best that if we swap speaking orders too. And obviously that showed <laughs> great results. So I'm really glad that we did that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, was a good decision in hindsight. Uh, Victoria, what was the initial reasoning of why uh, you decided to force James to go into the first speaking position? Actually, it was the other way around. I really wanted to stay first speaker because I really love summary speech. It was just a good position to control the direction of the debate because it's after rebuttal and it's before final focus. Um, so you can get a lot of stuff in there too. But I guess we were actually supposed to swap positions right before U.S. Nationals. But um, I was too afraid to do that. So we worked really hard in between U.S. Nats and NSDA China Nationals to swap the speaker order. And I think both of us were really hesitant at first, especially me. But we ended up getting there <laughs> in due time. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I think that's where we first met all three of, well, I met you two for the first time preparing for U.S. Nationals. Um, before U.S. Nationals, how much debate experience had you had up to that point, Victoria? I started debating in August of 2019, 
and I had done a couple tournaments in China and then I did maybe one or two tournaments in the US and they did not go very well. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I came back and we did one online tournament and then we went to US Nats. So in that previous experience in the States, was it all public forum? Yes. I know you only did, you said, I think two tournaments in the United States. Was there a big difference between your experience of debating public forum in the US and debating it in China? I think I had done one tournament prior to the my first US tournament. I wasn't very used to being my cards being called on and being asked evidence in between speeches. And that really stressed me out. I was really bad at finding evidence. I didn't, you know, cut the cards, which and I didn't even know what blocks were. So that just really stressed me out. But it honestly helped harden me as a debater a lot, just not being prepared and then having to be able to scramble into position at any given moment. I think that's a good lesson. Any great, for all the kids out there that might be listening and thinking about, oh, I'll never be as good as uh, Victoria or James. I'll never make it to finals or nationals. They just must have been born that way. Every great debater has a embarrassing story of learning how to actually debate correctly. I went my whole first year of debate without flowing. I just didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know that people could like flow and take notes. My debate coach in high school was a drama teacher. He didn't teach us anything. He just took us to the tournaments. And so it wasn't until like uh, the state tournament at the end of the year when I really started paying attention and noticing, wow, everyone's really writing a lot of things down during these debates. Maybe that would help me in my uh, rebuttals if I did that too. So yeah, it takes, it takes some time to learn that stuff sometimes. James, how much experience did you have before US Nationals? I basically had like the same amount of tournaments as Victoria had before China US Nationals. We went to a couple of tournaments. We met at the Stanford Harvard tournament. I think we did okay at the Harvard tournament, but Stanford tournament, we definitely did not do very well. So, and I think the biggest difference between debating the States and debating in China, I think, or just public forum in general between the States and China, because I don't have other experience, experiences in other types of debate. I think Chinese judges or judges in China are actually more technical than mm -hmm. U.S. judges, if that makes sense. I might be crazy, but <laughs> but from my experience, I think U.S. judges, they look more to like performance rhetoric versus Chinese judges. There are a lot of intensive flow judges and like technical judges in China. And yeah. I think your opinion is spot on. I mean, it's, I think that's a big misconception in the debate community here in China is they kind of, you know, they expect that U.S. Uh, debate, since it's been around longer, must be more technically proficient in its judging. But I think there's two factors they don't consider. First one is just how much bigger U.S. debate is. And the bigger you ha you are, the harder it is to find, you know, really technical good judges. If you have 500 teams at your tournament, uh, you're going to have to start asking parents or teachers or bus drivers to get in there and judge the debates. I know from my experience, I may have already told this story once in a past episode of uh, this podcast, but uh, that probably doesn't matter because no one listens to the podcast. But uh, I, when I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma has a long history of high school debate. 
If you go to the national championship in the U.S. and you look at their brochure and you look at the history of the winners, the first like 20 years of policy debate back in the 1920s, the winners are all like Oklahoma, 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 Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, 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 Texas, like it's all that kind of region. So at my tournaments when I was in high school, you could have one round where you're debating in front of a TOC champion, four-time TOC coach winner, like 30 years of experience, super technical, loving judge. And then round two, you could be debating in front of the bus driver that brought that coach to mm -hmm. the uh, tournament. And I think a lot of my message to kind of NSDA China kids who might complain about the judge pool from time to time is kind of be careful what you wish for. I learned so much through debate because of having to adapt to different judges, because of figuring out how my weird postmodernism argument could relate to the bus driver who doesn't even have a high school degree. That type of communication skill, I think, gets kind of lost in a community where all they care about is the tech. So I think you're, you're absolutely right, James, and in your intuition there that it feels like uh, in China we have more technical judges because, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on the league to make it technical, not just from the students, but also from the parents, because they really want to make sure that it's an objective decision as much as possible in an inherently subjective activity. Victoria, did you have to adapt at all to the judging styles between U.S. nationals and China nationals? I wouldn't say so, because I don't really look at, you know, the judges as U.S. and China. Um, it's always important to look at them as an individual. I read paradigms religiously. It's so crazy. And James knows how, you know, particular I am about reading beforehand. But yeah, I don't see any major difference. But I think that's because I was, you know, very up close and I was looking at it on a small scale of the people individually. Well, I, that would be good advice to anyone who listens to this episode is read Judge Paradigms when they're available. Uh, this is the first time we ever had uh, Judge Paradigms for our Nationals tournament. And although a lot, plenty of judges didn't provide that much detail, uh, I think it was a nice change that everyone was happy to have. James mentioned that you all met at Stanford. Were you debating together at Stanford or did you have different partners at Stanford? We had different partners at Stanford. Honestly, because of, you know, everything that was going on in the world, the trip was a little bit chaotic. And my old partner, who I think I partly owe um, why I got into public forum, that reason too, I was partnered with him. And James had a couple of different partners over the course of the two tournaments. When you say um, because of the state of the world, does this mean you're talking about this year's Stanford tournament during COVID? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that must have been rough. James, uh, how many partners did you have before Victoria? I had a lot of partners. Like finding a partner is really hard. Mm -hmm. Like it's a real, I mean, finding the right partner is a really difficult job and like, but it's important. And I don't have any like suggestions or tips for finding a good partner because for me, I just kind of got lucky um, <laughs> to meet Victoria at like Stanford or Harvard. That, at that time, there were originally a lot of teams going. Yeah, it's just a combination of luck uh, meeting Victoria at Stanford and Harvard, so. You said you can't give advice on how to find a good partner since you got lucky, but maybe you can help those out there by explaining to me, like, what is it that makes Victoria a great partner? Did you know immediately, like, what qualities 
should others be looking for to know they've got a great partner? Uh, it was a small group and we all knew each other, but like really started paying attention was uh, when Victoria and his old partner and this other team did a practice debate. And I thought Victoria was really good. Stanford and Harvard debate tournament, it was kind of like a, like a trip. So in between, we'll go to places and like have some fun. I talked to Victoria and she just seems like a really nice person. And I'm not person really into like reasonings. Like I, I, I don't list the reasons why Victoria uh, is like a, a good partner. I think Victoria is more of that kind of person, like hard, like hardcore logic and like rationality. But for me, it's just more like, I mean, I do take and like, I do think of reasons, but for me more, it's about like the feelings. And like, mm. for me, if it feels right, then it's probably right. What about you, Victoria? What do you think the secret sauce for a great partnership is? And how do you know when you found a good partner? So like James said, I think it was important that we had a lot of bonding time over the course of, you know, the trips. You know, we went to a lot of places together. We hung out a lot. Um, and also I saw that he was a really hard worker. He would stay up really late, you know, always pulling his weight in the partnership. And I think that's always really important to know that you're not the one, you're not the only one working towards this goal. And you have somebody who's equally as passionate as as you working towards that same goal and it just makes the experience so much more enjoyable. I like what you say there with equally passionate because one thing I say whenever I'm working with young kids or whenever I'm helping out new programs and they're wondering about who should they partner with in their class, I tell them that you shouldn't, the wrong approach to take, which is consequently the one most people take, is they think, who has the best TOEFL scores in my class? Who speaks the best English? Who is the smartest, has the best grades? That's the person I should team up with. And obviously those are good qualities and might translate well to debate, but I would argue that the most important thing you should consider when looking for a partner is, do you jive well together? Do you have the same goals? the same ambition, the same uh, desire for debate in what you want to do. And it doesn't have to be that you find the person who wants to work all night and uh, win the tournament if that's not what you want. If you want to go have fun, you want to put in some work, but hey, you also care about your uh, SAT tests and you know you're not going to put in a ton of work, then don't find someone who's staying up all night like James. Find someone else who has that, that same desire and goal because that's going to make Make it you're just asking for tension and problems if you don't sync up on what your goals are with debate and if you are going to work really late hours it's important that you actually enjoy spending time with the person that you are going to be working a lot with so like sense of humor can be an important thing that i think some people would ignore thinking ah that's kind of not not important but i would i would really uh, care about that because if you don't enjoy the company of the person you're with. It's going to be long, long nights and debate's going to feel like a chore. Um, and no one has ever won a debate tournament that didn't have at least some amount of fun. Agree? Yep. Agree. <laughs> All right. At the national tournament, though, uh, we, you know, it's a, it was definitely a team effort by both of you, but I have to um, mention the fact, because everyone's going to be thinking about it uh, at least a little bit, is Victoria, you also got top speaker, best speaker at the tournament, and uh, we have some good pictures of you holding up a trophy that's about <laughs> the same size as you. Were you surprised at all to be best speaker and what was it like to when you found out 
I, hmm, let me think about this answer. I definitely was not expecting it genuinely. People think I'm, oh, you're being humble, but I never want to go into a competition expecting a lot of myself. I always want to be expecting the worst. And I know this approach doesn't work for a lot of people. And I know James doesn't really like this approach, but um, I always keep my expectations low because that means I'm never complacent. I'm never settling. I'm always trying to go further than I have to, if that makes sense. So yeah, and always for some reason, when it gets very close to the end, I always trip up or something unlucky happens. For example, at Harvard, when we did JVPF, my raw score was number one. But if you subtract the highest score, I think, and the lowest score, that creates another number that they go by. So I ended up getting second because of some random logistics thing. And throughout my life, it's been a pretty constant pattern of never getting number one, but being so, so, so close. So I didn't really want to, you know, put that right in front of my face and then have it be pulled away again. That's actually uh, not a random logistic thing. It's called uh, high lows. Um, and it's actually pretty common, especially in the college. They drop the highest speaker point, the lowest speaker point, and the, and the point purpose behind it is to try to eliminate some judge variance. So mm-hmm. if you were lucky enough to get a bunch of judges or a judge that loves giving out 30s, even to bad speakers, or vice versa, you get a judge who really is strict on their speaker points and gives out a lot of really low ones. So dropping the highest and the lowest is a way, seen as a way to maybe eliminate some of that luck in the draw of who your judges are. James, were you surprised to hear Victoria got best speaker? I wasn't surprised, to be honest. When the results came out for the prelims, kind of new, but I just didn't want to talk to Victoria (laughs) about it because, you know, what she said, like, if I was like, the best speaker is probably you and if she ends up doesn't getting it I'll, I'll, I'll be in trouble you know so <laughs> so I was just like yeah I wasn't really surprised I totally understand not wanting to we call it jinxing it right I can't say I was surprised after working <laughs> with you at U.S. Nationals to be to be honest I didn't I don't know if I even knew you were at the tournament before then you know a lot was going <laughs> on um, lots of teams are there but as soon as uh, I saw you as one of the ones up there, I was like, oh, geez, I'm not surprised at all that that's going to be <laughs> in the first place. Let's talk about your process getting ready for the competition. Maybe help some other debaters when they're trying to figure out how they should get prepared. How early did you start working? And uh, can you describe your process a little bit? I'll take this really quickly and then James can add on. We, quote, started, I'm doing like air quotes right now, because right after U.S. Nationals, we were so pumped. We were like, oh, we need to get back into the game, work super hard, bounce back from this. But I don't know about James. I personally did not put in a lot of effort because I do this thing where right before the tournament, something just snaps in me and I'm you know working all day all night I'm not leaving my computer I've never worked like this before to study for any tests for SAT nothing and I just keep going to find that perfect piece of evidence to perfect everything I need to make sure I go down every possible scenario but it's a really bad habit and I know I should spread out my you know work but for some reason I just can't help it and I push everything to the last minute and um, but I really just at least I can prove to myself that I can work that hard and I have worked that hard because it doesn't really show through in everyday life for me. Spoken like a true debater. Does that describe your experience as well, James? Or are you a little different? 
I'm a, I'm a little different, but like it's similar for me and Victoria. Week before this tournament, we usually like just prep all day. But I wouldn't say as much as Victoria. I was spread it out more. But that's partly because I think Victoria had like SAT prep and stuff, which I didn't. So I we started prepping early July, I think, and so、uh, we weren't prepping intensively. We were just like reading and just casually talking about the topic. And in mid July, I started like researching like a two hours a day. I wasn't pushing myself to find articles; more of like just a general understanding of the topic. I was reading more of like the. Philosophical components of the topic, and then two weeks before the tournament, that's when I really started like pushing myself to find the cards that we. How do you、uh, divide up the workload as a team? Does one of you do all the case writing,、um, and one does all the blocks, or do you break it up by one work on pro and con, or is it just a big mishmash? How do you、uh, break up the workload, Victoria? Usually, the speaker does the tasks. So the first speaker writes the case, and then the second speaker writes the blocks. And I'm a really firm believer in the fact that a very strong case is important. You know, to be able to fit as many things as you can in there and Make sure it's still very strategic in the path you're going, and it sets up a good, you know, pathway for the debate. So、um, I was pretty hesitant in letting that go, but I think it worked out pretty well. And I really never put a lot of focus on blocks before, but I realized during this tournament that the second speaker has a lot more thinking on the spot, adapting to the path of the debate. So I really had to put a lot of effort into my blocks, which I wasn't really used to.、Um, but I still prefer case writing. <laughs> James, how was the case writing for this topic? Would, would you describe it in comparison to the other case writing you've done? Easy, about the same, or more difficult? I would say the pro side was actually、um, pretty difficult for me.、Um, the con side was pretty simple,、um, but the pro I struggled、uh, with. The pro side, and、um, since I haven't written a case in like ages, that kind of also <laughs>、um, slow down the process. But yeah, but in terms of workload, we kind of so basically、uh, we would talk about it, and then for the writing, of course, first speaker do does the case, and the second speaker does the blocks. But、um, we we talk about it. Yeah, yeah we we kind of all just after the work is done, we kind of see what's on there and. Just talk to each other. Or how about the topic? Did、uh, what were your feelings when you first saw the topic, and did your feelings about the topic change through the course of preparation and debating at nationals?、Uh, Victoria, you can answer first. So I believe the topic came out right after U.S. nationals, and at this point, James and I were just crushed. We're on an all-time low, but、um, so we were. We really wanted to get back in. Added again, you know, utilize what we learned at U.S. Nats, so it wasn't, you know, I wouldn't say wasted experience, but so we could reap as much benefit as we could from it. And in comparison to the U.S. Nationals motion, which was charter schools, we really loved this one. We thought it was great in comparison, and then we started working on it. And slowly, we realized, firstly, it's never been implemented on a global scale, so it's really difficult to. Figure out a scope for the argument, and there's very little empirical evidence for a lot of the arguments, and it's very philosophical. So we kind of were unsure on that aspect, but I think overall、um, it was a very enjoyable topic. I learned a lot. What about you, James? What's what would you say? Yeah, in comparison of the charter school topic, I love physicians as a suicide. On on what Victoria said, I totally agree that like this 
isn't usually what a public forum uh, debate topics like. It's usually more practical, but this one involves a lot of philosophical components, and which is um, it's difficult, but I think it's pretty interesting uh, once you once you start getting it. It's like yeah, once you start getting good at it, it opens up a lot of things, and you learn a lot of things as you debate this topic. At first, when I first look at the topic, I was like. Is is pro bias? Like, why would anyone pick on? <laughs> and then after Gordon did the uh, Mr. Gordon did the topic analysis, I was like, "What is he crazy?" And because、um, he he said it was a calm bias topic, and I was like, "He's crazy." And so I started researching, and I actually started leaning towards calm as time progresses. And、uh, today, I'm more of a calm person than pro person. Yeah, in my opinion, that's. The sign of a good debater who can admit that his mind has been changed, and it's a sign of a good topic too. That it, it makes you question your initial instincts and reactions to、um, a side. Let's fast forward to the round, the finals round. You've made it all the way to finals. It's been a very long three days, Victoria. You've broken your foot because. <laughs> James attacked you.、Um, uh, are you are you nervous? Are you just exhausted?、Um, are you expecting to win? How are you feeling in that moment when you're walking up on stage, Victoria? So during tournaments, I get in this really probably very bad state where I you know do not I cannot eat. I physically just cannot keep food down. I eat a couple of bites, obviously to. Maintain my strength, but I just can't keep anything down, and I become. James knows this. Right before the、um, the final round, I become super solemn and quiet, and I'm just sitting there with my head in my hands. I'm not prepping. I'm not doing anything, and he's just like too afraid to say anything to me because I'm about to combust. It's just so nerve wracking because the more you go through the tournament, the more tiring obviously it gets, but also the stakes get higher because if you lose, you've gotten this far. And it almost kind of seems like it was very anticlimactic, especially speaking in the auditorium. I don't know if it was like that for anyone else, but it was very difficult to hear the speeches for me. I don't know if I was just nervous or I wasn't used to hearing the voice through the microphone, but that also kind of tripped me up a little bit.、Um, and just like the bright lights, everything, it just kind of freaked me out. But I forget all that kind of when I'm actually thinking of the points. I'm thinking of the arguments. I go back to what I know is familiar and safe. And、um, as long as I'm really, really prepared, I think I'll say I can't do it. But deep down inside, I will get up there and I will do it in the end. <laughs> do you feel the same way, James? Were you more relaxed? And why did you attack Victoria? <laughs> <laughs> um. So there's actually like a. Uh, before the final round and the、uh, the semifinals,、um, we barely won,、mm-hmm. and、uh, the judging the judges' feedback kind of like hit us.、Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of kind of crumbled our confidence a bit in some ways. So、um, uh, at the lunch table,、uh-huh. um, I we we were both nervous, and I was nervous. But I'm a person that doesn't want to be nervous. Like, like before debates, I, I kind of talk to myself and stuff、mm-hmm. like that. So I was trying to do that, and I was like, I was, I was getting hyped, you know. I was like, Victoria, we got this. And then <laughs> I feel like, but after the speech, Victoria just was just staring at me with like zero facial expressions. I'm、like, not zero, but she was looking very nervous. 
and her face is like started starting to like turn red and stuff like that <laughs> and that's when i know like this is actually happening we're actually going to the finals this is going to be live streamed so mm-hmm. yeah we were really really nervous but once uh we got on stage i don't know uh it's just something <laughs> clicked actually uh, like people were sending wechat ma- messages like in- encouraging me like saying you got this especially my mom and my dad cuz even though like they don't speak english at all they were like uh just in chinese like let's go like you got this and, you know chinese chi- yeah yeah chinese parents like they don't they rarely give encouragement yeah like, <laughs> you know so that kind of, that really kind of gave me a push and uh of course during the debate i was still nervous but it, i was i was less nervous yeah, I'm, I'm sure they were super proud of you. Did you have uh, people you knew watching the live stream also, Victoria, or sending you messages? Um, my family. Okay, so when I was growing up, I was always a very shy child. Um, I do a little bit of performing arts, but I have a habit of not letting my family come watch or I don't like them to see me practice. So they've made it a habit to not watch when I'm on stage. For example, um, in all my couple of tournaments last year, they wouldn't watch the um, live stream finals because they knew I would be so, so, so nervous that their just presence there would just freak me out even more. Um, so yeah, I don't think a lot of people that I knew watched. Um, and if they did watch, I was not made aware of it, which is basically <laughs> the same effect. Very good. You're there. Uh, so we're there up on the round. You're up on stage. Things are getting uh, getting prepared and ready. And I believe you all won the flip. Is that right? Yes. Yes. We picked second. And yeah. Pick going second. Was that was that always going to be the decision, or um, had you thought about um, how the co- what you would choose for the coin flip uh, based on the team you were debating against? <laughs> I believe there were people watching us who had told our opponents the points that we were um, going to be talking about that day. I think we were just feeling very insecure about our pro side, but in the end, we chose to go second because once the choice is taken out of your hands, you can't blame yourself anymore. So that's kind of a comforting feeling, if that makes sense. But also second speaker gives you a lot of extra prep time, a lot of thinking time, and it's just overall a really great place to be in when the debate starts. No, I think that's uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Do you have anything you feel the same way, James, or anything to add to that? Yeah, basically the same. We always picked second, but that day we were really insecure about our pro case. I was like, I was like, fingers crossed. Please don't like pick con. Um, uh, luckily, they picked pro. Um, so yeah, in my opinion, we got kind of lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. By the end of the debate. When it was over, you still had some time to uh, sulk or time to stew uh, before you found out the results officially. Um, what what was the feeling at the end? Did you were you like, yeah, I think I think we got this, we won, or were you like, oh, I could go either way, or were you expecting to win? I can speak for both James and I. If you look at the pictures, you can absolutely tell we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, the, our opponents were super strong. Their points were great. They were great debaters. It was just a very, very tight debate. And also, James and I were kind of shaken up from the previous rounds of how close they were as well. 
Um, but at that point, I personally was just so exhausted mentally and physically. My entire body was like aching and my bones were, I don't know, just was carrying from a huge bag all day. But I was just so, so happy that I could finally sit down, not have to think about my next move or prep or anything and just take a break to soak everything in and, you know, talk with people, um, just be there for the sake of being there. Um, and that kind of kept my mind off the decision. Um, and I think that waiting period is, Maybe, I don't know, I wouldn't say the best part, but it's a very enjoyable part. <laughs> I get that. I get It's like uh, maybe like the end of a long run. Yeah. Uh, being able to um, kind of decompress feels very cathartic. Mm-hmm. What about you, James? Did you expect to win? Were you confident after the round finished? So after the round was finished, like what Victoria said, uh, we felt it could have gone to both sides. And uh, I don't remember a lot of the waiting process. Um, I think I was talking to somebody, but I really wanted to win. Like, <laughs> um, to be honest, like, like who doesn't, you know, if you win, you're the champion. If you lose, you're like, this might sound like rude or whatever, but no one remembers the second place. Like, uh, you, you always get remembered by, like, who, who wins the tournament, who's the champion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to win really badly. I was, like, praying. I don't, I, I don't know what could have happened if we lost. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just glad that we won and luck was on our side. Well, it was a very close round. I mean, split decision, 4-3. It was super close. I, in, in, uh... To be completely candid, and you can not like me, uh, I'm pretty sure I squirreled, uh, if I remember right. Um, I think I voted pro on that. Um, <laughs> but um, hopefully you know from me that that's not personal. I, I'm a very technical judge, and I'm happy to be wrong, uh, because I don't think that we could ask for a better pair of champions this year for Public Forum. You two both represent everything that's great about debate um, and the type of people that's in the community. Speaking of that community, I know there's probably a lot of young debaters that might listen to this podcast and they're hoping to get out of it some bit of insight on how they could reach the next level of their debate career. And so I'll start with you, Victoria. Do you have any advice you would give putting yourself in a coaching position, something that helped you, that you believe helped you get you to another level or something maybe you see a lot of young debaters have a weakness in, just any sort of advice you would give up and coming debaters on how to improve? Um, I would even say I'm a little bit uptight about preparation. A lot of people are very nervous about, you know, not very confident in their speaking abilities or their argumentative abilities or, you know, how aggressive you're going to be, etc. And I used to not even be able to answer questions on the spot. I used to do model United Nations and when they would ask me questions, I couldn't even answer them. But I realized the key to my confidence was always being very, very, very prepared. Whenever I was finding a piece of evidence, I always needed to be perfect. I would not stop until I found the exact piece of evidence that I wanted, or I had this argument go the exact way I wanted, or I planned out every single scenario to every single detail. And that can get exhausting so much for my partner. James knows this. But um, I think it helps me so, so much just to feel safe in what I'm saying and what I know um, and all that kind of stuff, because it's the one thing I feel like you can always control and it's how you go into the debate. 
Very good. James, what, what would you say to that same question? Prep is really important, obviously. Um, but I will add uh, one little thing is to just watch good debaters mm-hmm. debate. So in order to be the best, you have to learn from the best. And I think yeah. that's what we got out of Stanford, Harvard, and U.S. Nationals. Um, there were a lot of great debaters. And uh, even though we got uh, eliminated in at Stanford uh, quite early, we still watched <laughs> Um, the varsities uh, rounds. And I think we um, were, me personally, I learned a lot, debaters, just seeing them in person, doing what they do. And um, there were, because it's varsity Stanford, it's, they're the, like the best of the best. So I was uh, really lucky and just privileged to watch these debaters debate. And so after that, um, through these tournaments, I will actually, there are YouTube videos on, on uh, there are YouTube videos yeah. about Plevy Forum. They record Plevy Forum. And me and Victoria, uh, before a tournament, we watch a couple, kind of get the hang of it, like see what the, um, the top debaters doing. Yeah, just to add on to that really, really quickly, when James and I would be hanging out or whatever, we'd be working and then we want to take a break, we wanted to, you know, get some food, we would put on like a round as if it were a movie and then we would kind of talk about it. We would say, oh, this, what he said was so good. And then I'd be like, what? No, why would you say that? We could totally say this on the other hand. And then we kind of argue, but it would really start our brains up when thinking about different angles and, you know, trying to emulate, you know, the different energies of the debaters and the different ways they approach things. And we have like our favorite teams as if it's some sort of, you know, sport. And we have, you know, our favorite debaters that we, oh, recognize. And we really like watching their debates. Um, It's also just a very fun thing to do with uh, your debater friends. Since James, you're in the United States, I don't know what your plans are. We've got online tournaments still. So even being in the States, you can still compete in an SDA China. But have either of you had a chance to look at the fall topic and if so what are your initial impressions i I believe the the topic is investing on public infrastructures versus welfare correct Mm -hmm. um i think this topic is really about like magnitude versus scope because welfare you're helping the low-income people in particular however public structures you're benefiting everybody so uh public structure uh, public infrastructure is more of like the scope and welfare is more of the magnitude yeah i think it's a pretty balanced topic and one inter- one interesting thought i have is it says in china so that will be really interesting because i haven't uh, seen any debate topics that have been limited to china in particular so i think that's going to be really really interesting so yeah those are my thoughts well a little bit of uh inside info baseball on that that you know it's uh tricky having a topic in china and you've got to make sure that it's not too sensitive in certain areas. But at the same time, I I really have been trying for a long time to find an area where we can comfortably have a debate in China, because I just think, you know, when I grew up in the States, you know, all of our topics were pretty much US centric. I mean, if it wasn't, it would be very explicit about what part of the world it was, but it would still be kind of like, what should the US be doing about this? 
And I kind of just feel like it's a little bit of a disservice that Chinese debaters don't get that same opportunity as much. And I kind of especially don't like it whenever Chinese debate leagues topics are super specific uh, U.S. Like it's okay to, you know, debate things that happen in the U.S., but one that's like only really relevant to the United States. It just feels like kind of a wasted opportunity to me. So for any debaters out there listening, please take this topic um, responsibly so we don't, so I don't lose the opportunity to have more debates about China and uh, think long and hard about the arguments you make under this topic. Victoria, do you have any thoughts about this topic? My first instinct when thinking about a topic is I list all the arguments I can think of off the top of my head. And on the car ride home, I think I was thinking about this topic and I I tend to go towards the more logical and I wouldn't say just, how do I phrase this? I I don't know why the first word that came to mind was twisty but Mm. just arguments that aren't practical you know what I mean so for Mm -hmm. example exploiting the wording of a resolution or stuff like that so Mm -hmm. my first thought that came to mind was public infrastructure must be a precedent to the argument of having welfare because if people can't even access welfare centers because they can't travel there then one argument has to come before the other or you could argue it the other way around Um, in order to utilize public infrastructure to go where you want to go you first have to establish a good home base you have to be able to have be in good living conditions in order to actually reach out and spread out, etc. It's kind of just like a back and forth and nothing's really supported with evidence. It's all super random. But it's a great starting point, I think, to see where the arguments stand with each other, um, which came first to chicken or the egg, because that could be something that you base your debate on and it would cut off a lot of links to a lot of impacts. I think the, some good points in there. And do you both plan on debating this topic? I am taking the SATs twice before the year, year ends. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to have the time. And I've also started my first year of IB. And so it's just been very hectic recently. But I definitely, definitely, definitely want to still look around, maybe help some people um, and definitely be involved with this topic. What about you, James? You plan on doing an online tournament? I'm not sure. My schedule is really chaotic right now because the US is really unpredictable. So I'm not sure. But I do have time, but I will have to talk to some people about this and yeah I'm I don't have a like a scheduled plan for the future but like Victoria said I would love to get involved with this topic and helping others with this topic well I have a feeling you you won't be long gone for long until you get <laughs> that itch and uh, you're like, oh, I can maybe squeeze in one tournament here <laughs> but before we go uh, at the end of the episode I always like to give um, the guests an opportunity to do any shout outs that they like either thanking someone or um, if there's a project you're working on that you'd like uh, people to know about um, it's uh, up to you to how to spend this time Uh, so Victoria would you like to give a shout out for anything before we go Uh, definitely want to shout out obviously my family and my mom they are the literal best I'm not even exaggerating when I say that my two sisters who always respond to my messages when I say, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. I'm so nervous. I can't do this. I can't do this. Obviously to James for dealing with that in person. To my first debate partner and my only debate partner that wasn't James and his mom, because they honestly were the first ones to um, push me into public forum debate. I didn't even know the rules. I didn't know what it was.
was, but they um, really were an important stepping stone into getting work to where I am now. And also um, our really good debate friends, Kevin and Sophia, who are evidence finding machines. They are so incredible. They're incredible debaters. Um, they're just amazing and amazing friends as well. All the people that we worked with, all the instructors and coaches, for example, Lawrence, etc. They've just really, I'm, I used to have very low self-esteem and it's always a really great feeling to work with somebody who sees the potential in you before you even realize it yourself. And yeah, I think that's about. All right. How about you, James? Anything you want to say? I actually uh, missed my last gratitude speech. Uh, at the finals, I was oh, yeah, so, nervous. so nervous. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to check a card and I just started reading my case. But yeah, so um, here are my shout outs. So first and foremost, shout out to my um, grandparents. They took care of me since I was young until now. And they always believed in me. And uh, whenever, like, whatever I was dealing with life, they always talked to me, even though we're like, you know, like 60, 70 years old apart, they're still like trying their best to relate to me and help me solve these problems. So I want to thank my grandparents. And then it's my mom and dad. I want to thank you for my mom and dad, like supporting me financially to these debate tournaments, because debate is not a really like a cheap um, event to participate in. So I want to thank all their hard works. And uh, even though they don't, they might not say out loud, I know like how much they love me and how much work they put in to like support, to, to support mm -hmm. me. So uh, yeah, I want to thank my parents. And then I'll also want to thank uh, the people who have helped me. I want to um, shout out Victoria's mom, uh, Maui. And uh, <laughs> I, so I would like to share a little like story. So after US Nationals, I was dev devastated and uh, I came da downstairs. We, we were at a hotel that time and I came downstairs to talk. Uh, Victoria's mom wanted to talk to me um, to see how things were going. And I, was, I wasn't I was at a great place at the time. So I was, I was kind of like upset and like I was tell just telling her how I felt and how like I wanted to give up and stuff like that. And to that, she said, it's okay, James, you'll, you'll, you two will only get better. And I always believe in, believe in you, which was really, really like just heartwarming. Cause at that time, um, again, like Chinese parents, my mom really didn't say to me much. So um, <laughs> like my mom's like, Oh, you need to work hard. If you work hard next time, um, you, you will be the champs, you know, um, Chinese parents stuff. And uh, yeah. And so I want to thank Victoria's mom. And lastly, I want to thank Victoria. There's really nothing uh, that I, I could say to like, you know, express my, <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to phrase this, but like, um, you had, you just have been the best partner I've ever asked for. And without you, I wouldn't be here. So yeah, thank you so much. Sounds like we're living up to our nickname of the National Single Dog Association. Uh, <laughs> A lot of a lot of debate love in that um, in those thank you speeches. Um, I want to thank you two for agreeing to do this. I know you're super busy uh, with school and SAT tests and stuff like that, but giving back to the community like this, letting kids listen to you um, and learn from you, um, I think is very important as being a part of the a kind of global citizen and an NSDA member. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Purple for editing this and thank all the listeners who uh, stick around and support the podcast and support NSDA China. Remember, if you have any uh, feedback you want to give, any questions or thoughts about uh, the podcast, you can send an email to nsdachina at gmail.com. We love to receive feedback. And I look forward to seeing some of you at our fall tournaments. Check out 
the WeChat and our website, uh, www.nsda.cn. Find out more about the tournaments coming up in the fall season. Until next time, uh, Jayo.